Bibles or electronic devices, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 15. For the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to dive into Luke chapter 15. And so if you know anything about Scripture, if you read Scripture, then you're probably familiar with this, this passage. This is, this is the parable that Jesus teaches, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, this parable of the, of the prodigal son. And we're going to understand that in a deeper way uh, today and how it relates to us because what Jesus said, this, this story of the prodigal uh, 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 the, the story of the prodigal son is really a, a helps us understand the character of God and who God is, how we relate to God, how God relates to us. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at this passage, Luke chapter 15. And so this week, we're looking at the son that left, uh, the prodigal. We're going to look at the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. Next week, we're going to focus in on the son who stayed, which I think was the most miserable of the two. And we're going to look at the tragedy of an offended spirit, what happens when someone gets offended, and just a whole tragedy of that. But today, the title of this message is Finding What You're Looking For. Because that's really what this passage is about, just finding what you're looking for. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hands, I have just kind of a rhetorical question, how many of you have ever lost something of great value, or great value to you? It may not have a lot of mon monetary worth, but it may be sentimental or great value to you. When I ever think about this, about losing something of value, it was in the early days of our church. Uh, Dr. Kurt Dodd was our original pastor, and I was an associate pastor on staff, and, and the, we planted the church. The church began to grow. Cell phones were getting more and more popular. We were having trouble communicating with each other. Uh, we were having trouble afford cell phones. Remember cell phones? I mean, remember when 30 minutes was a lot to have on your phone? Like 10 text messages and 30 minutes of talk time? You know, some of you students, you... you You'd burn that up in homeroom. I mean, it'd be bam, and it's like gone. And so, but remember those days. And so they came out with the cell phones. You remember the Nextel cell phones? Remember those things? They were like ginormous, and they were also a, a, a two-way walkie-talkie, a two-way radio. Remember that? And so we decided we were going to stretch, and we are going to get Nextel phones because you could talk two-way in the network, like a walkie-talkie, two-way radio, in no airtime. That was just like free. That was kind of like voice. That was kind of like text message today. When it was before text messaging, really, and so and then then when you then you had to pay for the airtime. And so we just said, hey, we'll use them as walkie-talkies and talk amongst ourselves as much as possible, and let's just really watch. And so these phones were expensive and all this other stuff. You know, one of the reasons I hated that phone, not only because it was large, but because it really invaded your privacy. Because because anybody could talk to you in your network. And, and I worked for a senior pastor that believed that the pastor should be on call 24-7 to him. And so there were, there were oftentimes at night, 10.30, 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night, uh, you know, and all of a sudden you get the chirp from, from Kurt. And it, like, would chirp and letting you know that you needed to call him back or say, hey. And then if, if you didn't answer, then all of a sudden now you got your senior pastor's voice coming through your bedroom, which is awkward. And so all of a sudden he'd be like, hey, Charlie, it's Kurt. You there? You know, like, pick up. And Karen's like rolling her eyes like, seriously? And so, so anyway, that's one of the things. I'm just processing out some emotion in front of you right now. <laughs> but anyway, back to the story. So we had these Nextel phones. And so I take my family to Tinseltown to see a movie. And so it was a late movie. We go watch the movie. Um, and so I didn't want to carry the phone in because it's like toting a brick. And so I left it on the front seat of the car. We go into the movie. We come out. It snowed about four to six inches of snow. It was on the ground. We get in the car. We go home. I come home. I go to, to, to charge my phone. And I realize it's gone. I don't even know where the phone is. It's like gone. And I mean, maybe because it was late, maybe because I was stressed. I'm not making any excuses how I behaved. 
But I mean, when I lost that phone, I mean, I, it was like the end of the world. Because that was before Apple Care, that was before Nextel Care, that was before insurance on cell phones, and so you didn't have any of that stuff, and we could barely afford that phone. How were you going to afford another phone? And so I'm like tearing the house up, and Karen's like looking at me like, I cannot believe this is this big of a deal. So Karen finally says, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you call your phone, and let's hear if we hear it ring, or maybe someone will answer it. So I said, great idea. And by this time, it's like midnight, so I call my phone. And this, this young girl answers my phone. She says, hello. I don't know what happened. I snapped. And so she goes, hello. And I go, what are you doing on my phone? She's like, excuse me? How'd you get my phone? What are you doing? on?" And she's trying to explain. I said, who have you been calling? You calling people on my phone? How'd you get my phone? Where'd you? And all these questions. She goes, Sir, I'm so sorry. My manager just told me that, that, that watch this phone. And if anybody calls this phone, I'm supposed to answer it. Because nobody else knew how to answer it. They figured I would. And so I, I, that's the only reason I'm answering it. And I said, well, how'd you get my phone? Where'd you find it? And she said, maybe you'd like to talk to my manager. And I said, fine. Manager comes on the phone and says, sir, well, I, I know you're kind of upset about this, but, but I just want to let you know, someone found your, your, your phone in the snow in the parking lot, and they turned it in. And I asked her just to answer the phone so you could, like, come get it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you, you know that moment when you're like, oh, gosh, I wish I could take back some words. And so, and so then he says, so we're, we're going to put your name on the phone. We'll put it at the front desk, and you can come tonight, tomorrow, and pick it up. What's your name? And I go, Dr. Kurt Dodd. <laughs> yeah, I sound a lot like Charlie Jones sometimes, but I am Kurt Dodd. And, <laughs> and so then there's a whole other set of issues I had to explain to them. I really wasn't Kurt. I had to tell Kurt, so sorry, all that other stuff. But, but I say all that to say, have you ever lost anything of great value? Because this parable is about what happens when we, when we lose things of great value. It's a parable about how God responds to his children when his children are lost, when his children stray. See, Jesus is responding in this parable to some, some, some things that some Pharisees said to him. They drew close to it. Well, let's just read it. In, in uh, Luke chapter 15, verse, verse 1, we'll just start there. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Now, listen, let me tell you something. Let's just stop right there. We live in a time and we live in a world you can no longer be naive. You can no longer be naive about Scripture. You can no longer be naive about what's going on in the world and the world events. Not everybody that pulls close to God are coming to God with pure motives. Not everybody that pulls close to God really wants a relationship with him and for their life to line up with him. The Pharisees were that way. And so it says that they drew near to him, but they came to him to trap him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So now he's saying, this Jesus guy, he's supposed to be religious. He, he's hanging out with the wrong crowd. This, and and then so, so Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, and she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, 
There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. It was really not his property, it was his dad's property. He really wanted what dad could do for him more than he wanted a relationship with his dad. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one, I mean, this is a crisis, right? And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, when he came to his census, he said, many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they begin to celebrate. And so Jesus teaches three parables with four common threads. We want to look at all four of the common threads through these stories. This is a powerful story. And what Jesus told us about this parable, this has more to do with how a son relates to a dad or a dad relates to a son. This has more to do with us understanding the character of God, how much he loves us, cares for us, and how important it is that we understand and we find what we're looking for. And so the first thing is this, the first common thread is this that you just noticed, is that there's a lost possession. There, in other words, there's something that is lost. Verse 4 is, is the sheep. Have you ever wondered, how do sheep get lost? Well, people that raise sheep, people that, that, that ranch sheep, will tell you that sheep are like the dumbest of all animals. I mean, they're even dumber than cats. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, even I would have to admit, cats are smarter than sheep. And so, so anyway. And so, how do you get lost as a sheep? You just wander off. Ranchers will tell you, you know what? Sheep come into this world just looking for a place to die. I mean, they're like a defenseless animal. I mean, if you're not careful, they will just start grazing and they will slowly move away and they will move themselves into danger. You know what I've realized? People get that lost that way too. Not, at a, not all at once, but slowly and surely. And, and, and they don't really intend it to happen. It just kind of happens. I mean, I have people in the community or, 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 or come back to our church and they'll say things like, you know what, there's a time in my life. I just drifted away from the church. I mean, I don't know why I quit coming. Nobody offended me. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I mean, I don't know what happened. I guess my priorities in life changed. We got busy, and we missed a weekend, and we missed another weekend, and we missed another weekend. And all of a sudden, we just got, we just, we just kind of drifted. We just drifted away, and we just quit coming. You look at the lost coin, verse 8. I mean, how does, how does a coin get lost? How did that coin get lost? See, she had a, a necklace or a headdress, and there were ten coins in there. 
And obviously the lady dropped them, and nine coins laid flat, and one coin rolled away. A woman's headdress was critical. It was ten silver coins that marked her as a married woman. In other words, it was a lot like our wedding ring of today. And it would take a woman a long period of time to acquire the ten coins. Now listen, this is, this is a little personal to me because I don't know if you're like me, but I've lost a lot of wedding rings. I, I, I mean, I, the one I'm wearing is actually the original ring that I lost. But I lost this ring years back, and it, I lost it in the basement. I even knew where I was. And you know what? I, I stopped everything and just started searching for this, this, this ring. And, 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 and for whatever reason, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. And I always thought of it. See, this was really personal because it was a ring that Karen had, had bought for me. It was a ring that, that we got married with. See, this lady losing this headdress, losing this coin, this was personal to her because, see, in their culture, it was the picture of broken intimacy broken relationship to her husband in life it's the picture of broken intimacy with god that people get lost the same way too there's a there's a tragic circumstance there's something that happens there's an offense there's a problem there's there's pain and they start the road of isolation and, and, and sometimes we need others. fact is, a lot of times we need others. But we just roll away from them. We roll away from the people that have poured into us and helped us and all those other things just over an offense. And then we put up barriers. And sometimes the person that we're offended at doesn't even know the son. How did the son get lost? Verses 12 and 13. I mean, how did he get lost? It was his choice. He made the choice. I mean, he got to that place that he said, you know what? I can't find what I'm looking for here. So God, uh, so dad, I need my inheritance now. You give me my money and I am out of here. I mean, in other words, I, I just want what is mine. I want to enjoy life. And, and, uh, and it was his choice and he just left. And there's people that make that choice all of the time. And so first, there's like this lost position, uh, possession. The second thing is this. It leads to a, it just leads to a lonely place. Listen, isolation always brings loneliness. See, God never created us to live in isolation. God created us to live in community. In fact, is what Scripture teaches is this. The greatest things that we'll ever accomplish is what we do with one another, what we do in community. That we were created for relationships and deep and purposeful relationships. And here's the crazy thing about isolation. Isolation brings loneliness. And guess what? Loneliness brings some sisters with it for the sheep. You know what came for the sheep when the sheep wandered off? Insecurity. I mean, sheep come into this world just looking for a place to die. They no longer had the protection of a shepherd. They no longer had the protection of, of, of some sheep dogs. They no longer had the protection of a shepherd that was leading and guiding them and any of those other things. And it gave them deep insecurity in life. How about the coin? You know what came for the coin? A sense of no purpose in life. The coin was a part of a, of a headdress. And that coin was worth nothing. It had no monetary value except for being with the headdress. 
And now this coin that had just rolled away no longer had purpose and no longer had meaning. And people are like that apart from a relationship with God and apart from the relationship with God and others. We fail to experience the personal fulfillment to which God has created us to where we understand and we get it that I have a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for my life. When, when, when you look at the sun, you know what came for the sun? Emotional pain. I mean, when you look at this story, and I didn't even read the entire story, but if, if, if you wanted to read the entire story later, you would realize that this son, the emotional pain that this son had, most, most of the verbiage of him talking in the story, he's talking to himself. He's lamenting over the past. He's stuck in his past. He's talking about the decision that he made to leave his dad and how his dad's going to respond and all of the other stuff. He, he, he feels like he doesn't have any, he feels like he's unworthy. He feels like even kind of that he's even unworthy to return to his dad. And maybe, maybe you're like that today and maybe you're fighting some real battles from within that nobody else knows about. And maybe you're wondering why you're, why you're even here and what is your purpose in life and what is your meaning in life. Maybe you feel like a, a ship that has gone adrift in this like raging sea in a raging storm and you've wandered off into an empty land of loneliness. And this parable that Jesus taught was just to say that, guess what? Wherever you are, God cares about you. And God cares about you and God desires to, listen, God desires to have a relationship with you. He, he he desires to have a relationship with us many times more than we desire to have a relationship with him. And that leads us to the third thing, and that is this, is there's an aggressive seeker. I mean, when you look at the story, there, there's like this aggressive seeker in every one of these stories. It, it, what a picture of God and God, how God pursues us. Listen, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that say this. They'll say, you know what? I found Jesus. Listen, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. Okay. Jesus is the one that found you because he sought you. You just responded to him. I mean, when you look at this, there's an aggressive seeker. Listen, when I lost, when I lost my cell phone, I became an aggressive seeker. The manager of Tinseltown said, you can come back tomorrow. I said, you know what? Even though I'm a Texan, I'm driving through six inches of snow, get people off the sidewalks. I am on my way. And I went that night. When I lost my wedding ring, it was months that I kept looking. I knew it was in the basement somewhere, but I didn't know where it was. And I kept looking for it, and I could never find it. And uh, it even got to the point that I, I didn't wear a ring for a long period of time to where people were stopping me in church and saying, hey, are you and Karen having problems? You guys, like, still married? What's going on? And so you know what I did? I went to, uh, I went to eBay, and I bought a handful of wedding rings for $9.99 apiece. And I'm like, you know what? I can lose one every day now. And I'll still have a wedding ring. And then one day, Karen got to the place that she says, you know what? I'm just going to find your ring. I don't understand this about women. I think it's like this spiritual gift you guys have. I still don't understand it. But she goes down into the basement. Like 30 minutes later, she comes up and says, you know what? Here's your ring. It was under the couch. It rolled under the couch. It stood up straight like this. You were just looking through it. I guess you didn't see it. It's just a spiritual gift you guys have. I mean, it's like when I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm looking in the cabinets and I'm like, where are the Doritos? I just want some Doritos. Do we have Doritos? Right in front of you. No, they're not here. Where are the Doritos? She comes, looks at it, puts her hands out like this. It just kind of falls out. 
is right in front of you. I don't know, I don't know how it works as a spiritual gift, but I'm telling you this. You guys can't seem to find your cell phone when we call, right? Just, just saying, just saying we're all even. <laughs> we're moving on. But a shepherd, listen, a shepherd was an aggressive seeker. He leaves the 99 for one. Now, some churches, they don't get this. They don't understand that. They think life is all about the 99. They think life is about all those that have been found by Jesus and respond to him. And this shepherd, he leaves a 99 for one. I mean, it's an amazing story where he begins to, to seek them. Listen, let me tell you something. A shepherd in their time, they named their sheep. They knew that every one of their sheep had a name. When they lost a sheep, they could not go back to the owner and say, Hey, my bad, lost a sheep. They had to find the sheep. If the sheep was dead, they had to bring the fleece back to the owner to prove that they were an aggressive seeker to prove that they really tried to find the sheep. I mean, look at the frantic wife. She loses one coin. She cannot sleep. I mean, you got to understand, in their time, they had these, these homes, and their, their homes were lit by sunlight through an 18-inch square window. So even in, the, even in day, it was still dimly lit in the house. But this didn't happen in the daytime. This happened at night. And this lady takes and cleans out the entire house you see in their time they had mud floors and they would take dried reeds and it was kind of like a carpet and they would take the dried reeds and they would fill the whole house on the flooring with dried reeds this was literally like trying to find a needle in a haystack and so to find this ring you talk about a frantic wife you talk about an aggressive seeker this lady moved out swept out all of the dry reeds going through them until she found the coin how about a faithful father? It is really the picture of God towards us. The Bible says that the dad, even though the son had offended him and said, God, I, dad, I care more about your money than what you can do for me. I care more about what you can give me than a relationship. And I'm out of here. And the dad sat on the front porch and he continually scanned the horizon and he could not wait to where he saw the silhouette of his son. See, it's the father's actions that we really capture God's passion for his children. Verse 20 out of the story, and it says, And he arose and came to his father. This is the prodigal son. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This is really the picture that God is waiting for our return. And we see that phrase filled with compassion. You know what it's telling me? It's telling us that God cares. God cares about you. God cares about you this morning. He is aggressively seeking you this morning. I mean, he wants you to have a deeper relationship with him today than you had the day before. He, the scripture says that the father ran to him. You know what that tells me? God always takes the first step. When people say, no, I found Jesus. No, Jesus found you because Jesus was pursuing you. When you look at that phrase that the dad like threw his arms around him, what that really means in the Greek is is that his dad laid on him is the picture of, of giving him security your home now and I'm going to protect you and I'm going to take care of you and, and then you look at that phrase that it just says that, that, that he just he kissed his son he kissed him before he even asked for forgiveness it tells me that God wants you to feel loved and 
and wanted and accepted in regardless regardless of what you've done regardless of what you've done to him to yourself to others to your family God wants a relationship with you and God is an aggressive seeker all the way through the Old Testament they use that phrase that God drew near to them and in the New Testament Jesus says that no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. And so you have to ask yourself the question, what happened in the son's life? I mean, what happened in the midst of the circumstance, the midst of the situation? Because when you get to those situations, you get to those circumstances in life, God many times is using those circumstances and situations in your life to call you into a deeper relationship with him. And all of a sudden, this, this son, what the scripture says, he came to his senses. He came to himself. See, he began to focus what I believe. He began to focus on the character of his dad more than his unworthiness, more than his past actions. And even though he kind of knew how his dad was going to respond, that he was going to let him in and he says, you know, just treat me as a slave, treat me as your hired son, his dad had to have blown him away when he treated him better than he even imagined. The son just wanted to be a slave. But the dad's like, no, once you're a child of mine, you're always a child of mine. Nothing you can do can get you kicked out of the family. And then it see, then we see in the scripture where all of a sudden it leads in all of these stories to just this joyful party. In verse 6, there was like this shepherd celebration. You see, in their culture, because sheep meant so much to the shepherds, when they would lose a shepherd, uh, I'm sorry, when they'd lose a sheep, they would bring it back, and many times they'd bring it back into the community. The word had already spread that one was missing and all that other stuff. Do you realize that they would gather around and they would throw a celebration that, that they have found the sheep? In verse 10, you realize that, you know what, this lady threw a house party. When she found the coin, she threw this gigantic, gigantic, uh, there we go, gigantic, I won't say it again, a party. And then verse 24 was like my favorite celebration when the, when the son came home, dad threw a Texas-style barbecue. It's in Scripture. I mean, there was, there was brisket, there was sausage, there was ribs, there was pinto beans, there was cornbread. There was even a bucket of skins. And many of you go like, bucket of skins? We've never heard of that. See, in Texas, there were times we would take chicken and we would pull the skin off, throw the meat away, and just fry the skins and eat that. It's like Unbelievable. It, I mean, it's like pork skins, pork rinds on a whole nother level. And so, the, listen, the church should emulate that, that they care so deeply about people that they go to the second mile to meet them and to meet their need and to celebrate them. I mean, we love the world. We love the world by, by, by telling them the truth, regardless of what's going on in the community, regardless of what's going on in society. The way that we love people is by telling them the truth. And so what will it take for you? What will it take for you this morning to find what you're looking for? A lot of the ways that we'll do that is the same way that the son did, to where you honestly evaluate where you are. In other words, the son came to his senses. He evaluated where he was, his circumstances, his situations, which were overwhelming to him. And he began to evaluate who his dad is and how his dad would respond. And then there's a decision, like the son made, I'm going home. You know what? I'm... I'm going home. 
And then there's this decision to say, you know what? I'm going to repent of anything that I need to repent of. And you look at this son, and it is just, it is just unbelievable that the son had this rehearsed speech, and that he said, "Dad, I'm home, and I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against heaven, and all that I ask is that you just treat me as one of your hired hands. You just treat me as one of your slaves." See, before a person really understands the forgiveness of God. They'll always kind of be like a slave and not a children of God, child of God. And this guy didn't understand that. He said, he said, Dad, I just want you to treat me as one of your hired hands. But here's the amazing thing when you go back through that text. All the father let him get out was, Dad, I've sinned against you and I've sinned about against heaven. And his dad cut him off. He said, Son, you're a child of mine. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he interrupted him and he gave him a ring and, and robe and sandals and that's symbolic of the blood of Christ covering our sins. It's symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He publicly welcomed his son home and there was his ongoing celebration. See, all God wants is for us to come home. No matter if we're like the sheep who just wandered away and just don't really know why we quit coming. Or we're like the coin that just rolled away because we were hurt, because we were offended, because of tragic circumstances, because of a situation. Or even if we were like the son and it was our choice. You see, real Christianity is practice. When we have been found and we join in the search for others, to where we no longer say when, when people come back in, to where we no longer say, where have you been? We're just happy you're here. Some of us have traveled in some religious circles, maybe in our past, or some church history of our past. Remember some of those churches that when you missed a Sunday, when you missed a Bible study, when you missed something, and you went back to church, you know, a, a saint of God would walk up to you and say, oh, we just want you to know, we missed you at church last week. We missed you at Bible study. You know what they're... They didn't miss you. You know what they want you to know? They were there and you weren't. That's what they want you. That's just guilt, right? To where when you look at a biblical perspective of church, we don't ask anyone where you've been, why haven't you been here? Just welcome home. Just what is like, what's what the father did. We're just glad you're we're just glad you're here. That's what this church is all about. That's what our staff is all about. I mean, listen, I'm telling you. God will use your situation. He'll use your circumstances in your life to bring you closer to him if you will respond to him. And so every one of us has to understand and has to understand our next step and how we're going to respond. Because I'm telling you, he never goes out of date. And he will never leave you, never forsake you. Here's what it says in Hebrews verse 5, 13. Keep your life free from the love of money. In other words, what he's saying, it's okay to have money. It's okay to have stuff. But when you make your life all about money, when you make your life all about possessions, when you're trying to find your joy in that, what the Bible says, it's always destructive. And then he says, and be content with what you have. In other words, this, Paul put it this way, godliness with contentment 
is of great gain. And God is saying this, when I'm the center of your life, and when you can be content with what you have in all situations, and he says, and you want to know how? how? Read on in in verse 5. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise that the dad gave the son. That's the promise that God gives us. That when you're a child of mine, guess what? I will never, I will never leave you or forsake you. And how can we be content in this world? How can we be content in every situation? Because we have found what we are looking for. And we know that we have a God in heaven that will never leave us nor forsake us. Later on in Hebrews, he says, and oh, and by the way, I am the same. I am the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And the only reason we ask for heads bowed and eyes closed is just so there's no distractions in this place because we're so easily distracted. But the question for every one of us is what is God saying to you as a result of His Word? What is He saying to you as a result of this message? Maybe you've never come to the place to where you've started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin because eternity hangs in the balance. And maybe you just need to come to the place and say, Dear Jesus, I have sinned against heaven and you. And I am asking you to forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of eternal life that I may start a relationship with you. Maybe you've already done that. Have you ever taken time just to evaluate where you are with Him? Have you wandered away and no longer practicing the spiritual disciplines that you once did? Whether it's life journaling, reading of Scripture, Bible study, ministry. You changed your priorities in life? Has something happened in your life with God that has caused you just kind of emotionally just to roll away? Or has it, has it been your choice? Has it been your choice? Can I just tell you this? God doesn't care. Whether you wandered off, whether it was your choice, whether you rolled away, He just wants you to come home. Because He's an aggressive seeker. And He'll welcome you into His family over and above what you can ever comprehend. It's your child of mine. And I will never leave you. And I'll never uh, forsake you. Because I am the perfect Father in heaven. Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I I just need someone, I just need to respond. I mean, I, I just need someone to pray for me. And I got this burden, I got this prayer request. And I don't want to walk out with the same burden and prayer request that when I came in here with. So I, I just need, I need someone to pray for me. We want to pray for you. So after I pray in just a few moments, we're going to stand. And when we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, it can have to do with something that I just preached about, or it can be totally different. It does not matter to us. It can be a medical issue, a financial issue, a relational issue. You may want to pray for someone else. Listen, if it's your burden, it's our burden. This is a time when we minister to one another. We add our faith to your faith. We pray for you. We encourage you. So we'd love to have the opportunity to pray for you. So after I pray and we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front. 
and we'll guide you from there. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of your name. Father, we ask that you draw this church very close to you and we would know that you're just perfect, Father. And that you desire to have a deep relationship with us without guilt, without condemnation, but total and complete forgiveness. Father, we just look forward to see what you're going to do today. We love you deeply, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.